Hi ho, Hamilton Roan, he saved the Irish nation. No twos or threes, it had to be quaternion equation. Hello, and you're very welcome to this audio guide to one of the great walks in the history of science. My name is Mary Mulvihill from Ingenious Ireland, and it's a pleasure to be your guide as we retrace the steps of Ireland's greatest scientist, William Rowan Hamilton, and we mark the day when he invented a new type of algebra and he turned the world of science and mathematics upside down. Our theme song is The Ballad of William Rowan Hamilton, written by a local songwriter, and we'll hear more about that later. Our walk is going to take about 45 minutes along the Royal Canal, and we have stories and interviews to entertain you along the way, and we recorded them on the annual walk that took place on the 16th of October 2011. Now, we're very grateful to Maths Week Ireland and to the Irish Research Council for Science, Engineering and Technology, and their support has let us make this audio tour and tell you about some great Irish science. The official Quaternion Walk starts every year at Dunsink Observatory, but the observatory isn't normally open to the public. So if you're making your own pilgrimage, then we suggest starting on Scribblestown Road, just above the entrance to the National Food Research Centre. But for more information about the route and transport to and from the walk, you can visit our website, ingeniousireland.ie. Now, our route is going to go down the hill to meet the Royal Canal at Ashtown, and when you get there, turn left and take the towpath east to Cabra. But meanwhile, we went to Dunsink Observatory to talk to some of the people on the annual walk in 2011 to learn more about Hamilton and his discovery, and also about historic Dunsink Observatory. Hi-ho, Hamilton Roan, he saved the Irish nation. No twos or threes, it had to be quaternion equations. Stop one, Dunsink. I'm now in historic Dunsink Observatory on a hill just north of the Royal Canal and looking out here I've got a great view down over the city. It's a gorgeous historic building and it was founded by Trinity College Dublin way back in 1783 as a state-of-the-art scientific and astronomical research institution. This is where William Rowan Hamilton lived and worked all his adult life and it's where the Hamilton Walk starts every year on October the 16th and you could say that that's International Quaternion Day. So we're here for the walk in 2011. This is the 168th anniversary and this year's walk, as always, is part of Maths Week and there are several hundred people gathering uh, here today to make the pilgrimage. We're going to meet some of the people who organised the uh, event and we're going to learn a little bit more about Hamilton and how he invented quaternions on October the 16th. I'm joined now by Professor Luke Drury, who is from the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies, but he's also now President of the Royal Irish Academy. And that's exactly the same position that William Rowan Hamilton had back in 1843, the year he invented quaternions. And in fact, he was walking to a meeting of the Academy when he had his eureka moment and came up with quaternions. Luke, tell me about William Rowan Hamilton. Uh, He was undoubtedly Ireland's greatest mathematician, and I think many people would agree he was probably our greatest scientist, certainly our greatest theoretical physicist. Why? What did he do? 
Well, he did three things, really. I mean, as an undergraduate, he published a fundamental work on optics. Then he used the same ideas to revolutionize dynamics. And then he invented quaternions, which opened up a whole new area of algebra. And any one of these discoveries would have made his reputation, but three of them, I mean, that's, that's a record to be proud of. And you say he opened up with, with his discovery of quaternions, he opened up algebra. And I think some people even call him the liberator of algebra. Yes. What is it about quaternions that's so special? It opened up people's eyes to the idea that you could, in fact, sensibly talk about algebra for systems more complex than real numbers and complex numbers. And that was the the birth, really, of this whole modern algebra. But they are surprisingly useful in some applications. And, for example, there's a small Irish company, Havoc, which do the physics engine behind computer games, and they use quaternions to describe the way objects, like Lara Croft, for example, turn and twist. So they have practical uses too. Now, among the many people who are gathering here today to make the pilgrimage are some of our many friends from the worlds of mathematics and science, including Dr. Morris O'Reilly, who's a mathematician from St. Patrick's College in Drumcondra and who worked with us on the Dublin by Numbers activity trails. Morris, what is it about quaternions? What are they and why are they so special? Well, quaternions are a type of number. We're used to the ordinary counting numbers, one, two, three, we all know about that. And then there are the negative numbers, there's zero in between them. And afterwards, of course, we know about fractions, a half, a third, two thirds, five, sixths, and all of these. Then we can talk about more, slightly more complicated numbers like pi, you know, which we can't write as a fraction. So we think of the numbers then as being along a line, if you call the real line. Now, quaternions are essentially four dimensions of real lines. So Hamilton knew well about what we call complex numbers and that they occur in two dimensions. They were designed really to solve equations where you needed to, needed to work with the square root of minus one. So if you know your leaving cert a little bit well, you'll know about complex numbers where you've got a thing called i, which is the square root of minus one. Now, th- that involves two dimensions, like two real lines. Normally, we represent them as, as right angles to one another. But Hamilton was wondering, could he extend these, this idea to three dimensions? And he took over a decade to work with this. Indeed, so much so that breakfast conversation here in Dunsink Observatory, where we are now, used to be with his son. His son would ask him, Papa, have you solved the triplets problem yet? The triplets, that's because he's trying to solve the problem of three numbers. And the difficulty was getting the multiplication to work out right. We all know that two times three is the same as three times two. It's six. Very easy. The same is true of fractions. If you take a half by 17 49ths, well, that's the same as 17 49ths multiplied by a half. But the trouble is that... um, People hadn't conceived of a number system where this rule, what we call the commutative rule, that A times B is the same as B times A, people hadn't even conceived of a rule where this would not be the case. And it was the case that if you wanted to extend beyond the complex numbers to what Hamilton called the quaternions, you needed to drop that rule. So you need to drop this rule. You also needed to go not to three dimensions but to four dimensions, and then he had to come up with, well, how does the multiplication work in its detail? So there's the three things he had to do. Let's go over those again. Drop the commutative rule, uh, ex- go not to three dimensions but to four dimensions, and then what he scribbled on the bridge in, uh, on the 16th of October, 1843, was the rule, the i squared equals j squared equals k squared equals ijk equals minus one. Now, that's a rule 
any Irish person should know. The same way as they know the Lake Isle of Inishfree, they should know <laughs> the rule of the quaternion. Say it again, I squared equals J squared equals K squared equals IJK equals minus one. So that's the quaternion story. Hamilton spent all his working life here at Dunsink Observatory where he was the Astronomer Royal for Ireland and he also lived here with his wife and children. And even today, it's a lovely, almost rural location on a hill to the north of the city. And with me is Hilary O'Donnell, and she's the person who runs Dunsink Observatory now for the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies, which must be a lovely job, Hilary. Tell me about Dunsink. Yes, as you said, it's a very rural place. And here, as you know, that many observers have lived here over the years. And the most notable one is um, William Rowan Hamilton. And Dunsink has been run as a... Uh, a research uh, uh, institution, institution yeah, over yes, time. Yes. And also there was residents here that people used to stay. And, uh, but it was run in association with uh, Trinity University at the start of its life. And then when the state was founded in the 1940s, the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies was actually founded. And in 1947, then the School of Cosmic Physics was founded. And that's where Dunsink Observatory started its life in the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies. So a kind of a second life, as it were. Yes, yeah. Um, Now, it's not normally open to the public, although it's open today for the annual Hamilton Walk. But I know that you open during the winter on open nights. Tell me about those. They're run from the uh, evening time from October straight through to March. And it's the first and third Wednesday of each month, generally speaking. But then we run extra open nights, a lot of Irish astronomical societies that are out there, and they help us here in the helping of the running of the open nights here. And are they free? How do people get to come along? Yes, they are free. They apply to me, Hilary O'Donnell, at the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies, and my email address is on the Institute webpage. Before we head off, we just want to eavesdrop on some of the proceedings that are actually taking place today in Dunsink Observatory. And I'm going to drop in now to the Meridian Room, which is the historic astronomical room here in the observatory. And there's a crowd gathered to listen to some of the speeches. And we're going to hear from Fiacra O'Carbra. He's a mathematician at NUI Maynooth. And he's the man who runs and organises the Hamilton Walk every year. And I think we're also going to hear from Owen Gill. He's the organiser of, or one of the organisers of Maths Week Ireland. Now this is part of the Maps Week Ireland, uh, which runs for a week, starting yesterday, and uh, events going on during the week. The website is www.matsweek.ie, and there are many, many events going on there. Is, uh, is Owen here? Owen Gill? Yeah, do you want to say a few words? Do you want to say a few words, Owen? Just to say, uh, we're delighted to be here again, because the uh, Hamilton Walk and Hamilton Day is actually the, what we build Maps Week around, so it's, it's the real important celebration day in Irish maths and we're delighted to have Maths Week built around that and just to say in the five years uh, this is the sixth uh, Maths Week Ireland this year we hope to we have have, um, asked teachers to sign up on our website and tell us what they're going to do in school and how many kids or students they're going to do special Maths Week stuff with this year so I checked the website just before I came here. We're on 98,500. I expect to break 100,000 today, and more and more will be added uh, during the week. So that's over 100,000 students all around Ireland, north and south, will be doing special, fun, exciting, challenging maths during the week. And uh, you know that has to have an effect at the end of the day. So once again, I'd like to... Uh, 
thank uh, Fiacre and congratulate him and uh, the others at Maynooth who have, kept, who have uh, established this walk and made it such a, a kind of an annual pilgrimage and once again define all, uh, all odds. It's a beautiful sunny day, so enjoy the walk. <laughs> I'll just finish up then by saying that Hamiltonians are actually used all over the place nowadays. Uh, the entertainment industry, computer games, animation, special effects and movies. Lara Croft and Tomb Raider was created using Hamilton's Quaternions. So they've major, major applications in many different places. And of course lots of his other mathematics have uh, all sorts of important applications. Now, our destination today is Broombridge over the Royal Canal, where there is a plaque commemorating the spot where Hamilton came up with the idea of quaternions all those uh, years ago, back in 1843. And that plaque was erected and unveiled by Eamon de Valera in 1958. And somebody who was at that original unveiling is a mathematician, Michael Robinson. Michael, tell me about that day. Oh, it was a, it was a very interesting day. It was a kind of a dull and misty morning. <laughs> And uh, um, there were some speeches made, and, and uh, Dev did the unveiling, and so on. And was there a good was there a good crowd? There present? was a good crowd. Yeah, uh, there was quite a crowd. We're going to head off now and follow in Hamilton's footsteps. We'll leave Dunsink by the gate in the old garden wall, and we're going to head down the wonderfully named Scribblestown Road to the canal at Ashtown, and let's see who we meet along the way today. I'm studying maths at uh, Trinity. So I heard about um, heard about it through that, and then a friend of mine, Tom, he lives down the road, and we were chatting about it. So we decided we'd meet up, and then we did. And it doesn't sound like a local accent. No, it's South African. I got dragged along basically <laughs> with <laughs> with my mathematician boyfriend, but um, I'm also very int- interested in history of it myself. I had a, had a read about it, and uh, yeah, it's lovely to see the observatory as well because I'd heard about it before and I read a little bit on it. So it's very interesting to to see that as well. Hi, I'm Eamon O'Reilly. Uh, I'm from Dublin Port Company, uh, and I'm here today really to just, first of all, obviously to, to, to just follow the walk of the great man, but also just to learn a little bit about the link between Dunsink and Dublin Port. And thankfully, I have actually learned a good bit about that, about the telegraph link that there used to be from here to the Ballast House, where time was brought effectively electronically from Dunsink back down to, to Dublin Port at one o'clock every day, so that the ships in Dublin Port could set their clocks which clearly they needed to do for, for navigation. Uh, afterwards, I believe that it moved from um, the Ballast House down to Britain Quay. And one of the things we, we maybe like to try to investigate in Dublin Port is, is to rebuild that ball, whatever it looked like, in Dublin Port. It's there in Greenwich. You can see it in Greenwich today. The ball goes up and down. Marking time is reduced in the old days. And maybe as a result of today, we can get that happening in Dublin again. So we're just walking now from Dunsink Observatory to Scribblestown Road and the canal and I'm joined now by Dr Sheila Donegan from Maths Week Ireland. So she's one of the organisers of this great festival of mathematics that takes place around this time every year. Sheila, can I ask you now for Maths Week Ireland and for, for those of us who aren't mathematicians, what do quaternions mean really? Well, we're here to celebrate this wonderful day when uh, Hamilton wrote the quaternion equation on on the canal wall and um, well for in everyday life now we use quaternions in places you wouldn't even think about like mobile phones computer games uh, satellites uh, it even helped uh, get a man on the moon and how, how did it help to how did an Irish algebra help to land a man on the moon 
So essentially, the quaternions are used to get the satellites pointing in the right direction. And I know that William Rowan Hamilton himself would be very pleased because one of the things that he spent a lot of the last years of his life trying to do was find a use for his quaternions. We're commemorating Hamilton's work as a mathematician here today, but he did more than just invent a new type of algebra. And one of the people I want to talk to is Dr. Brian Dolan, who's a theoretical physicist from NUI Maynooth, and also, I should say, a director of Ingenious Ireland. Brian, can I ask you, why was Hamilton important? What's his legacy as a physicist? Well, although he never did any experiments, uh, he, he would be what is nowadays known as a theoretical physicist. He reformulated mechanics, Newton's mechanics, in a new way, that was absolutely fundamental in future developments, in particular the development of quantum mechanics in the 1920s, which is fundamental nowadays to the whole semiconductor industry and the use of iPods and podcasts. So quite an important legacy as a physicist then? Extremely important, arguably more important than his contribution to mathematics. OK, arguably. All right, thank you, thank you Brian Dolan, for that. You may already be at the canal, especially if you've been listening to this podcast as you walk down, and that's our next story. A short history of the Royal Canal. I ho Hamilton Rome, he saved the Irish nation. No twos or threes it had to be quaternion equations. Stop to Royal Canal. We're now standing by the Royal Canal. You probably can't hear the water because it's moving so gently but you might be able to hear some of the birds who are singing around me. And this is the canal that was made famous by Brendan Behan's famous jail ballad, The Old Triangle. It's also Ireland's longest canal. It's 145 kilometres long from the docks in Dublin port to the Upper Shannon River. And that's about 12 kilometres longer than the Grand Canal. And according to one of Ireland's canal experts, a man called Brian J. Goggins, the Royal also has more pubs along its route than the Grand Canal. Now, work on the Royal Canal started in 1790 and it took 27 years to complete and it cost nearly £1.5 million and that's six times the original estimate so it's amazing it was ever finished at all. They ran into a couple of problems and the first was when the Duke of Leinster, a very influential landowner, insisted that the canal should pass his estate in Maynooth and that detour added about five years to the project and £27,000, and it nearly bankrupted the whole thing. And the second problem was that the canal had to cross the very deep bogs of the Midlands, and that was a huge engineering challenge. The first thing they had to do was to dig drainage channels and then build embankments to carry and protect the canal. So that was a huge undertaking. The canal's final route runs from Dublin City through several towns. There's Maynooth, Kilcock, Enfield, Kinnegad, Mullingar, Abbey Shrewl, and eventually it joins the Shannon at Richmond Harbour. The water supply for the canal, because it needs a water supply, comes from Loch Owl near Mullingar. And the full journey today, from start to finish, would take you about 42 hours of travel time. Canals were a very pleasant way to travel, much nicer than a bone-shaking ride in a coach. And when the canals were opened, they were the motorways of their time because they opened up the Irish countryside to industrial development for the very first time. And they carried Irish farm produce and livestock to the markets in Dublin. 
Many of the bricks that were used to build the houses of Georgian Dublin were also brought from the Midlands by canal. And what would the canal have been like in Hamilton's day? Here's a Owen Gill from Matsweek, Ireland. The canal would have been fairly new in Hamilton's day. Um, we we're talking 1843 when he was making his famous walk along this stretch. And uh, they were transport systems, uh, they were, and goods were carried by barge along the canal, and there was also passenger boats. So there would have been frequent uh, boats passing Hamilton uh, on his walk. Uh, it was never as busy as the uh, company investors had hoped it would be. Uh, but And remember as well, this was before engines, so the, the, all the boats were pulled by horses, and that's why the paths along the canals are called towpaths. And Hamilton would have had to step in so as not to get caught with the, uh, the rope that was pulling the barge. <clears throat> and it's interesting, around Hamilton's time, there would have been about 40,000 passengers a year would have used the, the Royal Canal for transport. The Royal Canal was never a commercial success. And in fact, you'd wonder why it was ever built, given that the Grand Canal had already been built. Well, Ruth Delaney, who's a great historian and campaigner for the Irish waterways, has said... It was probably built because one of the directors of the Grand Canal Company got annoyed about something and vowed to build a rival canal. Traffic on the Royal declined, and in 1844, the canal was bought by a railway company. They wanted to build a railway on the canal, and we'll tell you more about that railway story later. The canal itself struggled on, and during the emergency years of World War II, it was used to bring turf to Dublin to replace the coal that was no longer coming in from war-torn England. The Royal Canal finally closed in 1961, and there were even proposals to build a motorway on it. But, thanks to a team of dedicated campaigners, it's been renovated and it reopened to boats in October 2010, and the towpath is now a waymarked trail for walkers. Here's Noel Spain. He's vice president of the Royal Canal Amenity Group, a voluntary group that worked on the restoration. They started digging the canal in 1779 and it took until 1818 to complete. It took us longer to restore the canal. But we have been working hand in hand with the government body, Waterways Ireland, to do the job. Now we'll resume our walk along the towpath. Keep an eye out for birds on the water because our next story is about the shape of the wave that birds and boats make as they move through the water. Hi ho, Hamilton Roan, he saved the Irish nation. No twos or threes, it had to be quaternion equations. Stop three, wakes. Canals are artificial waterways, but they're also home to lots of wildlife. And there's a great range of habitats here. If you just take a look around, we have hedgerows, we've got grassy footpaths, there's the reed bank at the very edge of the canal, and then out into the deep water in the middle of the waterway. But even the stonework along the way, especially at the locks, that's going to be an important habitat for plants such as mosses and ferns and lichens. And that biodiversity makes canals a great place for wildlife, Lots of birds, you can hear them in the background there. Uh, small mammals, in summer we get insects like dragonflies and damselflies. And out in the main channel, of course, several species of fish. 
But what I want to do now is to look at some of the birds on the water. And we have a family of ducks in front of us at the moment, so it's just perfect timing. And in particular, I want to look at the V-shaped wake that they make in the water. And have a look now yourself and see, are there different sized birds making different sized wakes? Does a large bird like a swan make a wider angle than a small bird like a moorhen, for instance? Or does speed matter? If something's going faster through the water, does that make a wider or a more narrow angle? And it's not just birds, this is also about boats and the shape of the wake that they make. And it's actually quite a difficult question. And the first person to come up with a satisfactory answer was a great Irish physicist from Belfast, William Thompson, better known as Baron Kelvin, one of the great scientists of the 19th century. And with me to uh, just explain a little is Scottish physicist Dr Brian Dolan, again from NUI Maynooth. Brian, what's the story with this wake question? Well, the, the interesting thing is that the, the size of the V, the angle between the two arms of the V, is almost always the same at about 39 degrees, regardless of how big the vessel or the bird is or how fast they're moving. And Kelvin managed to explain this in a way that uh, was rather surprising to people at the time, that the different wavelengths move at different speeds and um, they interfere with each other in a way that makes the angle of the wake always the same at 39 degrees. Okay, well, that sounds like a, a fairly complicated thing to convey to people, so we'll put a link from our website to that. But essentially you're saying it doesn't matter, big or small, bird or boat, same angle, that, that V-shape at the back of something moving through the water is always going to be how many degrees? 39 degrees. 39 degrees. Well, back to the canal itself. And there are two locks on our route today, locks number nine, and then the next one we meet will be number eight, and they're just before Riley's Bridge. And our next uh, story is to pause at one of the locks and admire the engineering. Hi-ho, Hamilton Roan, he saved the Irish nation. No twos or threes, it had to be quaternion equation. Stop four. Locks. There are 25 locks on the Royal Canal between here and the summit level, and that happens near Mullingar. And together they mean that boats coming from Dublin can climb step by step up to a total height of 96 metres above sea level, but at the moment we're at about 35 metres uh, here. And then on the other side of uh, Mullingar, there's another 21 locks that take you down to the level of the Shannon. Well, with me to, to tell me a little bit about canal locks is engineer Owen Gale, who's also um, the director of Maths Week Ireland. Owen, what is it about canal locks? Well, canal locks are... Uh, recognisable I suppose to everyone uh, who lives in Dublin or has been around Dublin because we have two canals in the city the Royal Canal which we're at at the moment and the Grand Canal and people will be familiar with the big black um, wooden locks uh, that uh, are a feature many people won't have seen a boat go through them so once you see a boat go through it's very easy to understand how they work but for most people it's a little bit of a puzzle but uh, a, a lock uh, is like a staircase. The canal is man-made. Uh, it has to be uh, kept level or the water will all run out of it. So we have to uh, step up. Each section of the canal is, is perfectly level. And that's why it's so easy to walk along the towpaths. But to climb up uh, hills and that, uh, you need these locks. You've, you've two sets of gates. Uh, an upper gate and a lower gate at the higher and lower level of the canal. And uh, say if we consider a boat coming in 
from the lower level. We can open the gates and the boat can go in. And the water is at, in the lock chambers at the same level as the lower side of the canal. Then we close those gates behind the boat, so the boat now is locked in the chamber. And I think people who have seen locks, they will see that these, these rack and pinion mechanisms on them, uh, you have a big lock key, like a, a big spanner, winds those up, and that winds up a sluice gate, which is below the water level, and that lets the water into the lock. And that, the lock chamber starts filling up, and it raises the boat up. When the levels on both sides are equal then you can open the lock gate. And there's, and no, there's no force in a sense, I suppose. Isn't that yeah, the beauty of it? No yeah. force holding so the, lock, the yes. lock gate closed. Yes, you open the lock gate, the boat comes out, and uh, it's at a higher level. But you can't open the lock gate before the levels are equalised because you're pushing against tonnes of water. Oh, and you said that's a few tonnes. But let's, let's get some maths into this now because this is a, a Maths Week podcast. How many tonnes and how would we calculate that? Uh, the water squared. at the higher level is pushing onto the lock gate. So 2.1 by, by 2.1. have to calculate what's the pressure from all that water. 4.4 4, uh, multiplied by 1,000 Now we kilogram. know that a metre cubed of water weighs about 1,000 kilograms. Per metre cubed? Yeah, I so the, the lock gates are about 2.6 metres uh, each one. And at uh, 2.64 metres, there's 5.8 tonnes of water pushing on each of the gates. So there's no way you're going to be able to open them. And today we're remembering one great scientific discovery that happened by the banks of the Royal Canal, but it's not the only scientific discovery that happened beside a canal. And our next story is another one, a discovery that was made beside a canal in Scotland. Hi-ho, Hamilton Rome. He saved the Irish nation, no twos or threes it had to be, quaternion equation. Stop five, solitons. William Rowan Hamilton just happened to be walking by a canal when he had his great eureka moment, his flash of inspiration. But a decade before that, beside a canal in Scotland, there was another scientific discovery, and one that could only have happened beside a canal. Not even beside a river, it probably had to be a canal. And that was the discovery of a soliton, or a singular wave. And with me again is Scottish physicist Dr Brian Dolan from NUI Maynooth. Brian, what's the story? Well... In 1834, a Scottish naval engineer, John Scott Russell, was riding his horse along a canal just outside of Edinburgh, the Union Canal, at a place called Hermiston, when he saw a barge that was moving quite quickly suddenly came to a stop, and he noticed that the wave, the wake from the barge, gathered up at the front of the barge and took off and left the barge behind and headed off down the canal as a single lump of water about a foot high, stretching from one side of the canal to the other. He followed it on his horse. It was moving at about seven or eight miles an hour for a few miles before it finally, he finally lost it among the, the winding of the canal. And he realised that this was a singular phenomenon. It was very unusual and would not be expected in terms of the physics of the day. And what did it look like, this... I mean, you've described it almost as a kind of a lump of, of water. What would it have looked like? It was like a, a single wave stretching from one side of the canal to the other, and it moved in uniform motion, keeping its shape as it moved along, and didn't disperse at all. So it was straight across the canal, so it wasn't a V-shape or anything like that, straight across the canal? No, straight across the canal, that's right. And that's a soliton or a singular wave? 
I hold Hamilton Road. He saved the Irish nation. No twos or threes, it had to be quaternion equation. Stop six, railway. The Royal Canal was never a commercial success, and in 1844 it was bought by a railway company. The Midlands and Great Western Railway wanted to build a rail line from Dublin to Galway, and the company cleverly realised that much of the route already existed in the Royal Canal, with all the necessary rights of way in place. It's said that initially the company was going to fill the canal in and build the railway on top, but they weren't allowed to do that. So instead, they built the railway beside the canal as far as Mullingar. And that's why we have a railway keeping us company today along this stretch of the canal. At Mullingar, the railway hit a problem. How to build a heavy railway across the great bogs of the Midlands? First, they dug drainage channels and that allowed them to consolidate the ground and it stabilised the bog and lowered the surface. And then the company's engineer devised an ingenious way to lay the tracks so that the weight was spread across a much larger area than usual. When the first trains were run, the tracks deformed quite a bit in trials, but eventually they settled and the line was declared safe and opened to the public. It opened in 1848 and it is still used today. In fact, there's a train station at Broom Bridge, which is coming up now, and that's our next and final stop the very place where William Rowan Hamilton discovered quaternions all those years ago. Hi-ho, Hamilton Rowan, he saved the Irish nation. No twos or threes, it had to be quaternion equations. Stop seven, Broombridge. We have now arrived at our destination, Broombridge in Cabra. It's the spot where Hamilton had his flash of inspiration in 1843. And on that day, he scratched his quaternion equation into the stonework here with his penknife. And a commemorative plaque marks the spot now. And there's a lovely party atmosphere here this afternoon for the annual Hamilton Walk. The local community have provided refreshments for everyone. Thank you very much. And Professor Tony O'Farrell from the Mathematics Department in NUI Maynooth is now calling the proceedings to order. Such a crowd. Gather in. My name's O'Farrell. Tony O'Farrell. And I've been coming here since 89. Had this idea that it would be a good idea to commemorate the 16th of October in some kind of public way. What happened here on the 16th of October 1843 is special to us people in the mathematics business because... We, we spend our time trying to solve problems and figure things out. And one of the things that captivates us is this, the way it works, that you think about these things for ages and ages, and then suddenly it all becomes clear in this moment of inspiration. And there are relatively few occasions when it's really documented where it happens, the moment when it happens, and this is, this is one of them. You've all heard about Archimedes. 
Archimedes was wondering about about um, this this uh, which Archimedes you say? <laughs> Good question. Archimedes of Syracuse was 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 thinking about um, whatever it was he was thinking about the displacement of the, the lightning of bodies in water and how to solve this problem of of a crown. And he suddenly had this inspiration. We're told when he was in the bath, I suppose the public bath, and he ran down the street shouting. And then there's an occasion of, of uh, when Henri Poincaré had this illumination about the Fuchsian uh, functions. Um, and he said it happened as he was stepping off a bus. He was going to the, to the seaside and he stepped off a bus. And as he stepped off the bus, he suddenly saw everything. It was all clear. But the bus is gone. And the bath is gone. But Hamilton had this, had this idea here at this bridge. And we still have the bridge and we have the moment. When, when he did it. So it's a singular thing. And people know about this. All over the world, mathematicians know about this bridge. Well, they might not even know where the bridge is, but they know there was a bridge. And this, this man had this stroke of genius as he was going under the bridge. So it's nice that we commemorate that. It's a pleasure to pay tribute to the people from the Royal Canal Amenity Group, some of whom are here, who uh, contributed to the restoration of this waterway from Dublin to the Shannon. It's now open the whole way. Give them a cheer. The people from the Cabra area, from the Cabra Community Council, who've been welcoming us here uh, for many years now and contributing to the festivities on the day. It's great to have that. And of course... Theocro Carabra, who looks after a lot of the organization and, and coordination of, of this business, Owen Gill from the Maths Week, and the various academics from the universities in town, and Hamilton had a job in Trinity, and we shouldn't forget that uh, August institution as well. Now, we have a tradition. There's two things we do usually. The first is that Hamilton invented the quaternions here, and he had this, this summary of how they work in this formula. So... I've been asking around and trying to find the youngest person present who understands algebra. And as far as I can make out, that's Cahill. Cahill's over here. So, Cahill, just for the occasion, Cahill has a penknife. And Cahill is going to carve the equation on the bridge. You see what happens is it's this limestone surface, and so it wears away. So you, you scratch something on that, and there's no harm done. I squared is minus 1. So you square I and you get minus 1. J squared is minus 1. You square J and you get minus 1. But I is not the same as J. K squared is minus 1. And K is not the same as I and J. So that's three different things whose square is minus 1. And I times J times K is minus 1. This has the curious consequence that I times J might be K, but J times I is minus K. Is that done, Carl? Good man. Give Carl a cheer. So the one other thing that we need to do is to commemorate the invention of Quaternions by singing Happy Birthday Quaternions. Right. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday Quaternions. Happy birthday to you!
There's another song I want to talk about now. It's the ballad of William Rowan Hamilton. That's been our theme song for this podcast, and it was written by local cabraman Jack Gannon. And I asked Jack, why did he write a song about William Rowan Hamilton? Well, like everything else, this had to do with circumstances. And I was living in Cabra, very close to the bridge where the stone is, and I knew nothing about it. And a, a guy called uh, Brendan Goldsmith first drew it to my attention. But later I became aware of the walks. And what happened on the walks was each year they used to sing Happy Birthday, Ron Hamilton. But after that they would say, someone should write a song. Now, I'd never written a song before, but when this happened a few years, I thought, I might as well have a go. And so I did. And what does William Rowan Hamilton mean to you as a local man? Well, it means an awful lot because it has transformed... Someone was telling me recently they took a taxi up to Cabra and it was some visiting person to Dublin and uh, they mentioned where they were going and the taxi man said, oh, you must be interested in Rowan Hamilton. So this is where it's got now, that local people are aware of what's there and I think it takes a little bit longer for that to seep through to become effective... And it can't but have an effect on younger people and hopefully uh, create an interest in mathematics. And Jack, what about the song? Are you hoping it will grow wings? And I'm delighted with the song altogether. It, it has made me a minor celebrity. And I often say it hasn't yet made the cover of Rolling Stone, but it has been published in the Irish Math Teachers publication. That's not bad, is it? <laughs> And we'll put the full lyrics to Jack's song on the web. But before we play the ballad, I want to thank everyone who took part in this podcast, also our project partners who supported the production, Matt Sweek Ireland and ERCSET, the Irish Research Council for Science, Engineering and Technology. And without their support, we could not have made this recording. I'd like to thank Aileen O'Mara for sound production. And I hope you've enjoyed today's walk. You'll find lots more interesting tours and trails on our website, ingeniousireland.ie, as well as links to more information about the stories in this podcast. But here now to sing us out is Jack Gannon. Hi ho, Hamilton Roan, he saved the Irish nation. No twos or threes it had to be, quaternion equations. Above the snow line at Unsink he made his observations, and then one day on Broombridge Stone he carved a great sensation. Hi-ho, Hamilton Roan, he saved the Irish nation. No twos or threes, it had to be quaternion equations. Many were the grateful ones, they thought it was a pity that Onchi, Egypt's and the rest were foremost in the city. Hi-ho, Hamilton Roan, he saved the Irish nation. No twos or threes, it had to be quaternion equations. I squared equals j squared equals k squared equals ijk. This all equals minus one, Ron Hamilton was heard to say. Hi-ho, Hamilton Ron, he saved the Irish nation. 
No twos or threes, it had to be quaternion equations. So praised the gallant scientists who favor rhyme and reason. At Broombridge you can see it there, it always is in season.